Good afternoon. This is Dr. Dan Guerra coming to you from Authentic Biochemistry Studios in the Inland Pacific Northwest. Today is the 20th day of July, and it is 2021. That's right. I'm going to do a back-to-back Authentic Biochemistry podcast lecture. I'm doing this because we've been deficient in providing you with regular daily podcasts, and that's because I've been busy doing other things. But I've got some time this afternoon, so I want to make sure that I am not negligent of my duties to my podcast listeners. Please, please, please subscribe to this podcast because that will help it grow. I've got a small number of people, but you're dedicated, and I believe you probably are all absolutely 100% authentic and that you are not at all frightened by biochemistry. These are two criterion for you to be able to appreciate and understand authentic biochemistry. So let's get started with this. We've been talking about amino acid metabolism, as you know. I was describing a paper that was published. Let's get right back to it. This is looking at glutamate metabolism in the TCA cycle, and it's linked up to aging. Now, you know that amino acid catabolism and anabolism is intimately linked to the tricarboxylic acid cycle. And because of that, and its anaplerotic nature, that means that the carbon that flows in and out of there from amino acids can also be used for gluconeogenesis and also for lipogenesis. This links then the amino acid story to direct intermediary metabolism and organized around such symptoms as signal transduction cascades and bioenergetics. There are more, but those are two that um, we've been describing to to some great extent recently as it is linked to the immune response and particularly the neuroimmune response in the aging human population, in the individual human population. So all of the cycles that you normally think about, they're not really cycles, they're pathways, but they look like cycles on paper. You know that nothing in any biochemical system uh, actually just cycles back to the beginning. There is always a temporal aspect of it. And so that's why I require that we all understand biochemistry is not a substance ontology, but as a uh, event, event ontology, um, a la Whitehead. So the event ontology of all living systems is the way to understand physiology, biochemistry, molecular genetics, anatomy even. And that's what we've been doing here in authentic biochemistry from the get-go since I've been doing this some three years now. So all of those metabolic pathways are heavily modified. The ones that I've been talking about, the TCA cycle, amino acid metabolism, and general carbon flow in and out of intermediary metabolism, all of that have become corrupted after an ischemic insult. So think about energy production, which can be uh, corrupted. uh, And that would, of course, be associated with cerebral blood flow. And that also can become corrupted and interrupted. And so what happens when you have a decrease in glucose presentation to the central nervous system, the cell, the neurons uh, revert to using TCA cycle 
and uh, as intermediates in order to be able to generate the bioenergetic pathways. So that's uh, no surprise here. So you get this anaplerotic system to generate ATP, and you know you get that from making first NADH and FADH2, and then using the neuronal mitochondria, the drive, uh, the electrotransport chain via the proton motive force and then ATP synthesis in the mitochondria rather than using um, uh, anaerobic glycolysis. Sometimes this is also linked to beta oxidation of fatty acids. We've talked about this in neurons and in glia. We've talked about moving carbon from neurons to glia and glia to neurons via the beta oxidation and then subsequently the ketone body genesis and moving acetoacetate and beta-hydroxybutyrate back and forth into those two cellular systems in the CNS. So I want you to be reminded of that as I'm talking about this. So remember, too, that we, of course, have glutamatergic neurons. And actually, glutamatergic neurons, which will use glutamic acid as an excitatory neurotransmitter, as opposed to gamma-aminobutyric acid, which is an inhibitory neurotransmitter, which is synthesized from glutamate, um, but the, the glutamatergic neurons, of course, are going to require a lot of ATP because in order to generate um, the neural transmission and the action potentials, you need that amount of ATP to run all the ion pumps through the synapses, and particularly through the synaptic cleft. So that will then ultimately control neurotransmitter biosynthesis after transcription, and then movement through the endoplasmic reticulum, driven again by ATP generated in the mitochondria, subsequent then release from the neuron, move through the synaptic cleft, and then picked up again by the um, receiving neuron, and then get, uh, completing that circuit. That requires a lot of energy. And that's why we're talking about it today, because this becomes disabled and dysfunctional as we age. One of the reasons for this is because of the lack of good membrane genesis and turnover. And that synaptic membrane is absolutely the fundamental core of neural transmission and the propagation of the action potential. We've talked about that too here at Authentic Biochemistry. So there are indeed functional changes in the glutamatergic system. And you see this in senescence. So when glutamate is um, released, what happens in the aging system is unique to that secretory pathway we talked about. Remember the senescence-associated secretory phenotype where not only is neurotransmission corrupted, uh, because of a lack of um, abundant cell activity and the lack of cell division. Um, so activation is limited, but also you get, um, because of the lack of bioenergetics there, you also get, unfortunately, the production of these of cells directly in the central nervous system uh, that uh, those cells will start generating cytokines and the secretion of cytokines can then induce the innate immune response, which can then trigger and uh, 
generate an organized lymphocytic um, immune response. And all of us being coordinated by the microglia interacting with the neurons that are undergoing, uh, for example, neurodegeneration, but even before that, just normal senescence. So oxidative metabolism does decrease with aging, as does glutamatergic induction of neurotransmission. So overall, then, this means it leaves the CNS with the diminished ability to deal with stressful and pathobiochemical, pathophysiological conditions. So it's been suggested that brain bioenergetics uh, progressively diminishes in the aging uh, human brain. And this then relates to a, a switch from a homeostatic, what they call a eumetabolomic energy state that you normally see in young people to a pathometabolic energy state in the aged. And between the U and the pathometabolic, the terms that they use are dysmetabolic energy state. Rather than talk about just metabolism, I have actually coined the term pathobiochemistry. So I wouldn't call it pathometabolomic, I would call it pathobiochemical. Because the if you only are thinking about metabolism, that leaves out gene expression and splicing of RNA, and then of course the unique alteration of gene expression at the epigenetic level because of covalent modification of cytosine residues with methyl groups or with, with methyl groups and acetyl, acetyl groups and propionyl groups uh, at the level of histone lysine residues. So this whole other epigenetic reprogramming, I've also emphasized, becomes more robust as we age and that robust control over that complex um, a set of events that allow for specific and unique transcripts to be made that are unique then to that central nervous system because it's more complex. When it becomes corrupt, it corrupts at a faster rate. Okay. So you can understand then that if you can study something like an ischemic uh, pathway in an animal model, and you can look at the look at controlling the levels of oxygen tension and the lack of having enough circulating carbon source in the form, for example, of glucose to be able to serve the uh, neuronal activity. This is a way of looking at the aging brain uh, by using a different mechanism. And this is what some laboratories have been trying to concentrate on. So what this paper says is that the aging process itself, another reason to look at it, cerebral ischemia, when you age, the risk of getting cerebral ischemia increases, okay? This has to do with, again, the microvessel vasculature inside the central nervous system and the fact that if there's any minor occlusions, you can get TIAs, and these TIAs can ultimately lead to um, a an ischemic response where you have a diminishment of oxygen tensions. And with that also, because blood flow is restricted, you get a, you get a decrease in carbon flow into those cellular systems. So all of that becomes path, pathobiochemical. 
So energy metabolism, ATP synthesis, um, and the intermediary metabolic grid are all serviced by the control over the normal genetic programming, the normal stress response because of neuroendocrine axis induction. And then on top of that, layered on top of that, and inserted within that system is the epigenetic reprofiling of gene expression at the individual basis. And this is the what's going on in the aging brain. So with all of that now uh, bracketed, so you understand that's, that's the level of investigation we want to look at, this paper wanted to study glutamate uh, metabolism and bioenergetics, basically. And they were looking at cerebral ischemia and looking at pre the ischemic event itself and then post ischemic recovery at different time intervals and this is again in the rodent model and so they did it on the level of hours uh, which is actually what you would be doing it in the hospital for a person who had ischemic stroke as well so between 1 to 96 hours with regular intervals between there they looked at cerebral cortex of one and two-year-old male Wistar rats, and they took into account, of course, the uh, level of uh, senescence. So brain tissue responds differently, as you might guess, to an ischemic um, injury, and there'll be different recovery times and therefore different pathobiochemical responses as the brain ages. And so that then will link back up to the cerebral blood flow and the restriction of that because of the ischemic response. So you know from enzyme kinetics, which I've gone through in authentic biochemistry, that we talk about KMs and Vmaxes. Now Vmax is really the measure of total enzyme concentration, but it's the maximum, but in numerical considerations, the maximum velocity that an enzyme is capable because of its uh, protein sequence of carrying out its individual uh, catalytic event. So when you look at enzymatic Vmaxes associated with glutamic acid and other amino acids, there's a way to get a handle on the rate of change of amino acid metabolism in this aging rodent brain, okay? Now, when you, when, you, when you cover that as a series of alterations in diminishment of Vmax, and the KM, of course, is the measurement of the substrate concentration relative to the activity of the enzyme, you're able to look at how the proteins themselves show an aging phenotype because the kinetic parameters are not constant through aging. And that's because of reactive oxygen. That's because of the potential for um, modifying mutations, which are not in the actual active site, but which nevertheless play a role in the overall cat catalytic um, agency of the enzymes involved. And so this is a really important issue. It's the kind of thing that most people don't consider. But uh, in, in the biochemical literature, this actually has been studied for some years. So you want to look at mitochondrial activity, obviously, because it's going to be the center of all the bioenergetics. And you want to look at those mitochondrial neurons and also in microglia. Now, what they do here primarily, besides um, looking at mitochondria, um, they also, within those mitochondria, they want to know about the TCA cycle, 
the electron transport chain, and then the movement of carbon via amino acid transamination. So that's where they're um, major emphasis was. And this makes sense because remember, a lot of these amino acids can be involved as neurotransmitters. And remember, of course, the linkage between neurotransmission, that is actual potential propagation, and the necessary component of ATP, which is now going to be, and during ischemic response, contingent upon the amount of carbon that can be, can be run through the TCA cycle to be able to make carboxylic acids. Um, and because of that, be able to run the NADH and FADH2 during uh, those oxidations of those um, carboxylic acids, then reducing NAD and FAD to, their, to NADH and FADH2, and then running that through the electron transportation. So you can see the intimate association between the two. Okay. So some of the enzymes they're interested in yeah, is the, uh, are the aspartate, basalpha KG, going to OEA and glutamate. So that's the glutamate, um, oxalacetic acid transaminase. Then there's the alanine plus alpha KG going to pyruvate and glutamate. That's going to be the glutamate pyruvate transaminase. There's the OAA directly to pyruvate and carbon dioxide. Uh, that's a decarboxylase reaction, obviously. You can also get pyruvate in the presence of molecular oxygen and phosphate, um, making acetyl phosphate and again, releasing carbon dioxide and the all-important hydrogen peroxide, which is, of course, a re, uh, ROS, a reactive oxygen species, right in the brain. Uh, another uh, place where you can pick up uh, H2O2 is glutamate plus oxygen will make oxoglutarate ammonia and hydrogen peroxide. There's two sources now of reactive oxygen species directly in the neuron. Finally, to finish off, so there's two more enzymes to think about. There's oxalacetic acid and ADH. Uh, and depending on the pH, you could make malate and the oxidized form, NAD+. That, of course, is the, the malate dehydrogenase. And, and then you have pyruvate plus NADH going to lactate plus NAD. Uh, and, of course, this is all, this is all com the components of lactate dehydrogenase. And you know that that reaction is really reversible. So these are the six main enzymes to look at. So they aimed at evaluating the effect of a post-ischemic recovery on the metabolic fate of glutamic acid and the amino acids associated with it, like aspartate um, uh, and um, glutamine and asparagine. And they're doing this because they want to understand the effects of recirculation on all of the considered parameters of neural transmission as linked to bioenergetics under an acute ischemic event. So overall, the, um, re the enzymes that we just talked about, such as glutamate dehydrogenase, the uh, transaminases, the, the two transaminases with glutamic acid, uh, one leading, of course, to aspartic acid and the other one leading to pyruvate. Those are the three main enzymes they're looking at. And they're saying that they tend to not be affected by ischemia, and that's likely then makes them dependent on uh, bioenergetics because those enzymes do not seem to be affected directly. So the activities uh, don't seem to be modified in adult males, but in aged animals, 
the uh, glutamate dehydrogenase tends to be increased in the intrasynaptic mitochondria. Now, the intrasynaptic mitochondria are going to be those that are the most heavily loaded with the electron transport chain. Now, there are other mitochondria that have less of those um, protein components because primarily they're involved in just a great deal of TCA cycle activity. So mitochondria can be in uh, the, the number of mitochondria that are enriched with the ETC proteins, the five complexes in the electron transport chain, are going to be those that are most associated with the intersynaptic area because that's where most of the ATP is going to need to be generated. So glutamate dehydrogenase, you know, it catalyzes that reversible reaction, uh, which is the glutamate oxidative deamination to alpha-ketoglutarate. There's also an alpha-ketoglutarate reductive amination to glutamate, right? That's the reverse of the reaction. Now, typically, the direction of that reaction in vivo is towards glutamate catabolism. And that's because of a positive delta G naught prime of about 30 kilojoule per mole in the uh, other direction. So the increase in this enzyme activity is indicative of a stimulation of alpha KG accumulation, right? Because of the rigging of the thermodynamics, because of the way the enzyme functions, the catalytic activity. And that means basically you're going to be metabolizing the excess glutamic acid, especially in those mitochondria that are in the intersynaptic uh, uh, tissues. So that means that if we study brain-specific, okay, this is a really important aspect of brain-specific glutamate dehydrogenase, no mice, we can look at the reduction in glutamate oxidation, which could probably induce a state of CNS shutdown. And then from that, we can determine whole body bioenergetics okay, because of the shutdown of CNS. So that's what they, in fact, do. So when you're thinking about the <clears throat> glutamate aspartate transaminase with the intermediate of oxalacetic acid, that's called the GOT or GOT enzyme. Now, that enzyme, of course, mediates, as I just said, reversible transamination that produces alpha-ketoglutarate from glutamate at the expense of oxalacetic acid. And of course, then you get uh, aspartic acid synthesis uh, as the last component of that for uh, substrate product interaction. However, uh, the direction of that reaction is strictly dependent on all of those other biochemical patterns that are occurring proximal and distal to that reaction. And that's because the delta G naught prime of that reaction, the GOT enzyme, is actually almost zero. So that means it's freely reversible because of the thermodynamic consideration. So during cerebral ischemia, aspartate tends to increase along with glutamate concentrations. And so that means the enzyme, this transaminase equilibrium, would be probably shifted towards glutamate catabolism. Does this sound familiar? Increasing, of course, the detrimental release of ammonia in the process. So it's been suggested that in ischemic conditions, 
the glutamate oxaloacetate transaminase, and we're talking with GOT enzyme, may actually be associated with glutamate conversion into metabolic fuel, that is particularly alpha-KG to run the TCA cycle, okay, which makes perfect sense. Uh, in fact, this happens in a lot of other tissues and muscle tissue as well, I should say. So when you think about ischemia and its effect on enzymatic activity, remember that the GOT enzyme itself is going to be linked up with the rest of the citric acid cycle, right? Which is ultimately going to be linking NADH and FADH2 oxidation to the level of molecular oxygen and therefore mitochondrial metabolism, right? Because you have to reduce that molecular oxygen to water. Ultimately, that's where all the electrons are going to go during the oxidation of these carbon sources, including those from glutamate. So that's a really important issue there. So um, think about also what can happen to that carbon in terms of the citrate synthase pathway, because that's going to be a very key, important metabolic flux point, because you know that citrate, if it builds up, it will then leave the mitochondria and it could be used for, that's right, lipogenesis, both fatty acid synthesis and cholesterologenesis, which indeed does occur in these cells, as we've been saying right? Beta oxidation and fatty acids both occur in neurons and microglia, which is the major components of the uh, central nervous system. All right. So there are two enzymes that are competing for oxalacetic acid utilization. Um, and so one of them, of course, is the, uh, is the sh running the shuttle, the malate aspartate shuttle, and that seems to function in the ischemic brain. That will, of course, allow for a, an appropriate level of maintenance of the ratio of NADH to NAD plus within the mitochondria that are not directly related to the synaptic activity. So we're going to call those the upstream or non-synaptic mitochondria. Uh, and that's still going to be important because that's still going to drive the electron transport chain. So you then have to think about the integrated activity of the ETC, complexes one and three and complex four, for example, because we've noticed in the scientific literature that there's an increase after ischemia in the mitochondria that can run those complexes, even in the, in the lack of sufficient amounts of molecular oxygen. That's because of the electron current that's already generated because of the oxidation of the NADH and NAD. Now, of course, you also know what that could mean when oxygen tensions decrease. What did I teach many times before? You can start producing intermediates in that reduction of molecular oxygen, and all of those can be potentially genotoxic and otherwise metabolically inhibitory to all the enzymatic pathways. And what are the intermediates and the level of the reduction of O2 to water, those are the reactive oxygen species, right, with unpaired electrons. Okay. So within 15 minutes of a complete cerebral ischemia, you get an induced stimulation of glutamate catabolism. But you see that when you compare um, adult but not aged animals to aged it's the aged animals where you see with a cerebral ischemia, once it's induced uh, chemically, you see that that is more linked to glutamate catabolism in the aged versus in the, just the mature uh, rat brain. 
And indeed, you're going to find different metabolic pathways that are going to feed in and out of that system, right? And, and so that, that, that's not the only difference. The difference is going to be what happens to the pleurotic nature of the TCA cycle once that carbon enters it. So these are all really key features to understand that when you talk about glutamic acid metabolism and you link it to the TCA cycle, remember that the brain, you know, we're in the CNS, that we're not in the liver, has to carry out the function of neurotransmission, which requires a lot of extra ATP. And if you get an ischemic insult where oxygen tensions drop, um, two things can happen. One, there isn't a plentiful amount of O2 to be able to carry out the complete oxidation of all those carbon sources via the oxidation of the downstream NADH and FADH2. But also it means that because of the depression of ATP, neurotransmission, that is the action potentials that are driven by neurotransmission are also going to suffer. This indeed is a very important phenotype of the aging human brain. And so the animal model is at least a decent mimetic for it. So I'm going to stop here. We're almost out of time. Uh, we're going to continue on the discussion of this really important paper. And on uh, finally, linking it back up with uh, regular intermediary amino acid metabolism. But um, our time is up for this particular episode. So this is Dr. Dan Guerra from Authentic Biochemistry Studios. Uh, on the uh, yeah 20th of July, still today, uh, 2021, saying bye for now.